0: No no. Ingmar. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Welcome to season three of the fucking rad snowboard
1: podcast. Okay, perfect. One second, please. Hi, this is Sean, I'm not here right now. You have reached Mike. Hi, this is Jim. Leave me a message and I will call you back as soon as I can. Hi, you've reached Jeremy Jones. Yeah, I'm gonna call you back in catch. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey listeners, here we are at the final episode of Season 3 of the and Rad Snowboarding Podcast. Up here in Vancouver, it's been a pow week, we've had a couple of pow days, and it definitely doesn't feel like the end of the season. I'm really proud of what we've done this year. We've had amazing guests, and I want to thank all of them for getting involved with my little project. Also, the people who listen to the show are super rad. I get messages from incredible people every week so much positivity it really adds to the happiness in my life <laughs> so thanks to everyone who reaches out and thanks to all you listeners who are telling your friends about the Effenrad snowboarding podcast we've got a solid group here so there is definitely going to be a season four after the current episode i realized what i want to do and that is record in a studio setting as often as possible so I'm going to do a fundraiser party here in Vancouver sometime in the summer or into the fall. And we're going to give away a bunch of amazing prizes from snowboarding companies that are down with the show. And the party will fund a road trip in an RV with a portable proper studio. And I'll get to live the dream traveling and snowboarding around Canada and the US, talking to the snowboarders that make snowboarding what it is. <laughs> Fucking stoked, man. This week's guest is Ingemar Bachman, one of the biggest influencers of snowboarding in the 90s. Yeah, we still
1: have snow. It's still snowing. still cold yeah. up
0: here. Nice. Yeah, actually, it's, it's completely clear today, and we got a trace of snow in the city, like just in the city mountains uh, last night, which is nice.
1: Where are you at? Which area?
0: I'm in Vancouver, so I go to the three local mountains. Yeah, All right. Did you ever ride like Seymour with like Devin and those guys?
1: Mm, I've been a few times like in Whistler, but yeah, Yes, you know, not not that much. Sweet. Well,
0: first of all, thanks a lot for being on the show. I, it, I've been chasing you down for like a year, which is awesome. You're such an icon of snowboarding, and a lot of people are, are very excited I'm going to be talking to you.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that easy to get a hold of. I'm kind of media shy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so thanks a lot for doing it. That's super cool. I'd love to maybe we just start by chatting about that iconic photo that most people would know you from. Which is that giant backside air? Did you have a injury year the year before?
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I was in San Diego back then, and I was I couldn't snowboard for like three or four months because I had some. I think it was shoulder dislocation or something, oh. and then you know I was just there, and then getting back together, and then I went from there straight up to and for for this event and. Had maybe like three days of snow before the quarter
0: pipe. I don't think anyone would have known that. That's insane, dude. It was just like a combination of a really cool contest, a bunch of good people. The the quarter pipe was built really well, and then you were hungry again. You were just like coming back from not snowboarding and,
1: and yeah, I was, I was really mo- motivated to ride, and I had like I was actually riding all days before the event. I was really tired. I remember that wow. day. Yeah. Because I was riding from the morning until the lifts. Yeah. lifts were closing. Oh, wow. But it was a lot of motivation and and also to be able to ride that kind of quarter pipe. Yeah. Big thing.
0: Yeah. So, like, did you just hike up higher than anybody else? How did that happen? It was just so huge. I remember seeing it and lots of videos, lot, all the magazines. It was just mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, I, don't know. I remember at that day, it, the pipe was like after lunch, so during, this, before that I was hanging out with Peter Ström and we were free riding around the mountain, and then we came back to the hotel and, you know, having some f- snacks, and, and if you know, if you hang out with Peter Ström, you always show up late to wherever you go, so, <laughs> so then finally me and him came over to the FortiPipe event, and the, we almost missed the whole practice, because we became you know, I had like two or three maybe practice runs wow. before the event started. And then, you know, I, you know, in the practice runs, I have tried it for the pipe and it was like, I, I didn't. I was, you know, dropping in where everyone else was dropping in. And then I made it to the final and then we had two final jumps and it was just a, my second, my last final jump. I decided to try to go as big as possible. So I hiked up, you know, above the in-run and just took as much speed as I could. I knew we yeah, were trying before the pipe. Mm-hmm. That big transition, I knew that it was possible to go a lot bigger than I'd been going before. Before my final two jumps, then I met another friend, Gregor. I actually borrowed my bigger snowboard to him, and I found him. He was also there, so then I could change my bindings to my bigger board, just for the last two, two hits.
0: You get into the finals, you find your big board, switch over your bindings mm. real quick. And the board is fast and and longer, and you just that's ah, like a perfect storm. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's so. Uh, where did you start snowboarding? Were you in Sweden when you first
1: started? By you know, I started as uh, skateboarder. So I was skateboarding for a couple of years, and then you we know, had we had nowhere to skate during the winter, so I was like skiing because I, I grew up skiing. Mm-hmm. And then since I started skateboarding, you know, then I actually saw somebody snowboard on my local mountain. And then I, you know, I right away I thought, like, I, I I have to start snowboarding in the winter. So then I got myself aboard and started riding, and that was, like, the season 89, 90. Cool. And I got to buy my friend's old Burton Cruiser 128. And I had, like, the, I didn't have any snowboard boots, so I had, like, these old snow doggings. Jog, but luckily, that board had like three straps. I had like ankle straps. I could still ride that board.
0: <laughs> yeah, was it a swallowtail?
1: tail? Uh, no, no swallow tail. Yeah.
0: yeah, it had the block chunk tail. Did you ski race in Sweden or
1: no? And I, I was never part of any ski club or racing. It was just going up in the north where it's, where we have some small local mountains. Yeah, like, it, it was something everybody did during mm-hmm. the winter before the. Internet and phones and games.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, so, is it a couple of years before you start competing? Like,
1: no, actually, the next season I was I got on the local skateboard shop team, Stayfish, and they had like skateboards and snowboards, and then, then I got myself a Lamar trick stick, one forty-two for my second year. Nice. And then I was more got more into riding, so I was. It was it was that season I, I really got. A little bit more into snowboarding, and then I decided I really wanted to go to the, uh, the Craig Kelly camp up in Riksgranen. Right. And it was the end of my second second year riding. I I, I got got for my mom and dad uh, as a as a birthday present, like the uh, entry to go to the camp. So then I went to that camp, and then that's where everything changed changed for me. Yeah. I really wanted to, you know, focus on snowboarding more. That's Before it was just something to do because I I I was thinking skateboarding was a lot more fun. So I was just just to waste my time in the winter and then as soon as the snow melted I started skating. Amazing.
0: How was that Lamar trick stick to ride? I remember always seeing people that rode those. It, it looked like it was sometimes difficult with the cutouts would maybe dig into the snow. Yeah,
1: it was yeah, yeah, I could never ride that board now, but that was you know getting better in snowboarding so I didn't know how yeah. a good snowboard would ride so <laughs> and I went from the Burton board to Lamar and I, I became a better snowboarder yep. so I could still be learning new tricks but the board <laughs> was actually probably really difficult I didn't think about it but it was just riding it yeah yeah
0: so after Craig Kelly's camp do you get a do you get a Burton board?
1: Yeah, actually, after that camp, I became kind of on the Burton Swedish team somehow. I got like a board for it. Actually, I got to buy a board the next season for a half price. So I bought a Micro Kelly. Perfect. I got a good board again. for so then I.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good year to progress. A Micro Kelly. You've you've gotten to meet Craig Kelly, and hang out mm-hmm. with some of the pros. At this point, are you? Focusing on half pipe riding or are you just kind of uh, everything?
1: Yeah, no, just riding because we didn't have any half pipes or jumps. If you build a jump at like a ski resort, you know, they they took it down right away. And when we went to the Craig camp they just gave us showers, so they to build a pipe. The first like <laughs> the first two days was building a pipe. But you know, the pipe was really fun, so that's that's something I whenever I could ride a pipe that would, that would be I would do that. But usually we never had a pipe, we had, you know, some jumps we built ourselves. Yeah. But you know, learn, you know, jumping and doing tricks was the thing. But since we didn't have that, I really I learned how to ride a snowboard a lot. Yeah. Because you know, if you start riding in a park, you never really get to learn how to use the board. Right. And luckily, I had a couple, couple of years. I did most of my kind of riding. You know, yeah. riding the, the slopes. Who were who was your crew so I at that ride. point? You know, I had some friends, local friends where I grew up riding. We were kind of riding yeah. together a lot. You know, a, a local crew. But I really wanted to, you know, go to places and ride more. So I was the only one from our crew that, you know, went to different events. So then I learned to meet, you know, new new snowboarders and I got new friends. Yeah. It would have been that Burton board
0: that Kevin was talking about, Kevin Young was talking about. You, uh,
1: yeah, I think that might have been like 93... Nine, maybe 93 yeah, or something because I, w- I was history the, then I was already on the Burton Swedish team right then I was history and you have to go there to Snowball for a week yeah but then I really you know I, I didn't want to leave that place I wanted to stay there and ride so okay. I was I ended up there for like the whole summer
0: Right.
1: but but what happened is I, ha- I had my boat on set up and I didn't have a car or anything and so, so the only way for me to get to the glacier is to hide my board up on the glacier and I skip hitchhike every day and then one day I came up there and the board was not there it was stolen oh no uh, and then it was like a bummer so I went down but at the same time the Burton in Norway they had like a, a de- demo that weekend so I came up to them and see if they could try try a board and I tried the board and I told them I was on the Swedish Burton team and my board got stolen and I, and I wanted to stay there to snowboard the whole summer and I asked if I could, you know, borrow a board somehow. And Button in Sweden to send a new board, but I couldn't do that. And then I asked Button in Sweden if they, you know, could somehow get me a board, and I said, "No, no, we can't get you any more boards. Like, you know, New you, you're too bad for you. You know, I have no board." And then I shit. You no. Know. And then, then actually I i Daniel got to know it, so he gave me his old K2 board.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. So,
1: and so then I you know, I had a board to ride, so I went riding with them and then I actually got the call from Burton and Sweden and they were really pissed off because I was ride not riding a Burton board. <laughs> what the And then I, and then I was like, Fuck 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 them, I'm not riding for Burton anymore and whatever. If they, it was, yes. yeah. I wanted to snowboard and I didn't care if whatever yeah. board I wrote. Yeah. If yeah. they couldn't get me a board and somehow do that then
0: yeah, that's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't there on the forty two, so I was just riding and learning. Yeah. Become a better rider.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what's your next what's the next move sponsor wise? Who notices you and starts hooking you up?
1: Um, actually that, that same spring in stream, you know, the K two water from from Daniel. It it wasn't the whale board. It was it was the board he had before the whale board. It was like twice as heavy as any other snowboard. <laughs> no, I, I I could ride it, but it was you know wasn't that easy. Yeah. But then one guy one guy came up to me like he had a, the new H Street snowboard.
0: Rad.
1: And he hooked me up like he gave me a brand new H Street snowboard. It was like super light and it was like a twinkle board and it was like the first twinkie board I I think I ever seen. Rad. And it was super fun to ride. So I got to write that, and then I was kind of writing that board, but they didn't really have a team or anything, so it was just me writing that board.
0: Did you keep any of your old boards?
1: Mm, no, I think I kind of gave them away, my old boards. Yeah. Those now, are... now now, I wish I had some of them left, but it was, yeah. you know, they're in the middle of everything. You don't really care about keeping. Yeah, your exactly.
0: board. yeah that H Street board, what it, they're very rare. Those were cool. I, I never even saw one in real life, actually.
1: I think yeah, that that thing just became maybe evil and yeah. H Street wasn't, Yeah, that's Wasn't right. happening.
0: Yeah. So mm. after the H Street board, where what uh, do you remember what you had next? <laughs> my trying to remind you of every single board you had—it's crazy.
1: No, but I was, i think I was—I was like on a shop sponsor. They called uh, G Spot.
0: Yeah, in, I remember in,
1: that. Uh, that you—it know, was like from Sweden, from Stockholm, man. You know, they were selling skateboards and snowboards. There. They had, you know, eight Street, but they also had, uh, you know, a Type A. Oh, yeah. So then, you know, I was looking for boards to ride, and you know, I, was, uh, I got hooked up with a Type A, Type a board instead. And so so. I was riding, riding that board.
0: Those were good boards.
1: Yeah. Are you doing kind
0: of the local contest series yes. the whole way through?
1: Mm, I was kind of mostly in Sweden, but, you know, by the time, I, after that Sweden camp, I got to type A board. Then I was doing the World Cup, you know, traveling in Europe, doing the half-type World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, my first year, you know, I, I didn't have any money, really. You know, I had money for to go for one trip, but yeah. I I happened to make make it, you know, in the, in the tops. So I made prize money. In each event, and the prize money took me to the next event. So I could go through the whole season with the, you know, coming, you know, top 16 or top 10 to just get some money to go to the next resort.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And who who are the guys that are winning those half pipe events in Europe at that time?
1: Mm, no, that was like when Ter- Terrier was dominating, he won everything. Yeah, like 93, 94, 95, 95 yeah. yeah
0: he was just unbeatable at that time, hey? Mm-hmm. And so, is there a rivalry between, like, the Swiss, the Swedes, Norwegians, like, or is it just, snowboarding's just so young at that point, everybody's just kind of going to these events and riding together and having fun?
1: Yeah, yeah, it also all, like, riding together. And, yeah. you know, you had some riders you were hanging out with because you liked them more, you yeah. like everything, but it was just a new thing, and everybody, you know, is new sport and...
0: At some point, do you move to the United States?
1: Mm, yeah, during that World Cup thing, uh, yeah, I was also going to US Open, and nice. I think I went to Canada for some event there. Yeah, and I went to some slopestyle event in Hunter Mountain. and It was, you know, some I mean, like one trip to the States. Yeah, but but by then I I wasn't on any snowboard team. I was just riding for the V-Spot shop sponsor. That
0: that's. Pretty cool to travel the world on a shop sponsor. Like you say, you're you're using the money from your winnings to go to the next events.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And also, you know, we also, you know, we travel like seven guys together. You know, renting a van and staying at some cheap places. And you know, whenever we travel, we, you know, stay at some friends' places or somebody knew someone we could stay or we could stay, and it was really easy living yeah like it,
0: it, it was a bit of snowboarding a lot of lifestyle just partying did you guys try surfing and and do like the whole
1: california thing or mm, no the first trip it was with the east coast oh okay yeah so right. just skating and snowboarding you know was brought my skateboard with me
0: coming from from europe to the east coast what did you think of the mountains
1: there Mm, yeah, we were we were kind of just going to the event, so it was, you know going to a half pipe or slope style event. Yeah, and mountains, yeah, mountains. They were like famous, you know, Scandinavia kind of. Yeah, you know, like Stratton and those. It wasn't any you know big mountain riding. Right. But anyway, we've been a lot. We we I'd been you know a few times in Alps before. You know, two seasons riding the World Cup, and you know those were at the same places where it's really good free riding and big mountains.
0: Yeah. So were you starting to get a, a taste for big mountain riding?
1: Uh, kind of, but, but at the same time I was riding a, a freestyle board. So yeah. whenever I went big mountain riding, you know, I, it was fun, but I couldn't really get into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I had a year or two where I just couldn't make my board work because I had the wrong board, and I didn't like powder. It's just not? Fun. Yeah,
1: no, I was more more more. I was more bit like that. It was like I wanted to ride good parks and skateboarding and half pipes and mm-hmm. the powder was me it was you know it was fun but it wasn't you know I rather you know find a good tabletop yeah not uh, these me tricks
0: yeah powder day for me meant we went we built a big jump into powder
1: yeah yeah and that, that was fun you know but you couldn't land <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you couldn't it was crazy
0: I can't even imagine thinking that nowadays I I just love free riding and powder. I still love jumps and park and good groomers. Like, sure, but I can't imagine hating (laughs) on big mountain riding. So what's your first major board sponsor?
1: Mm, I think it was, you know, that season where I went to the US Open for the first time and I went to the whole World Cup. Then that spring, it was a big event in Rick's Grandson, like 94. It was Mm -hmm. called the fifty five DFL you know, it was a half life contest, it was bigger, you know, they even flew up a work ramp with a helicopter and oh, yeah. they had like music, it was like the the first big, you know, I would say the rock star event in yeah. Snowboarding, You know, before U two and Ernstile and everything when you know, Ernst Isle was also like ninety four, but it was like this was had everything. And uh that spring, yeah, then I went went there in Eastport. My my shop sponsor was organizing the event. Cool. And they had, you know, all the all the riders coming over, you know, every everyone from, from like the Taipei riders to like Peter Line, Jane Lynn, Jeff Rushy, like Terrier, all the European riders, even all like the film crew riders, they all came to the expansion for the event. Rad. And uh, yeah, and it, and it was like the half event there, and then I ended up third place in the pipe. And also there was like bigger contest in the pipe, like highest there, I can remember it was me, Jeff, yes, Russia, and Terrier, they all trying to go as big as possible doing new stiffies on the front wall. It was like one place you could go big and it was the front wall. Yeah. And somehow I ended up winning, winning highest star. Rad. Over like, you know, those, like my, my kind of my like my idols. And after that, then I got, got put on the type A team because I was running the type A board. Yeah. And I think, I think it was like Nate Corner when the Clodius, they were there, you know, at the event as well. And I got to meet them and they liked me. So they, they gave the green light to get me on the team.
0: Amazing. So you get a big box of boards from those guys coming over from, from America.
1: Mm, Yeah, no, it's more like, I I, anyway get the boards from my, my shop sponsor and they're selling the boards. It was more, yeah, I got on the team and then, you know, I wasn't maybe a pro rider yet, but I was on the team and, you know, becoming maybe, you know, pro rider.
0: Yeah. That was a cool team.
1: And yeah, and I think maybe I think that summer I went to Mount Hood. You know, it, it, so much happened in short time. But I think yeah. that summer actually I went to Mount Hood. I went riding. I had the Taipei board, and I, I went actually to San Diego to hang out with you know Taipei guys, and I was you know staying in La Jolla with some of the ride ride guys and Taipei riders. Rad. You know, they had a house there, like Dale Reber, and you know, Nate Cole, and. I remember Roan and Jake Blettner and Russell and you know Brushy was there like not far away and I was hanging out there for a couple of weeks and then that's when I actually got you know as a pro rider and they they started started paying me.
0: Nice. That lasts a year or two, type A, yeah. or is that?
1: Yeah, then it was like I remember that 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 summer. Then the new season started. So then I was, as usually doing the World Cup, you know, finding the half pipes in Europe hmm uh-huh. And that season ninety four, ninety five, I ended up doing the first World Cup in Lux, and I won won that half right event. Nice. And and the weekend after the, that that half right event was the Aaron Style in Innsbruck. Uh-huh. And I, I wasn't invited because I was like I wasn't you know, I wasn't a local rider and also I didn't they didn't know me really. Uh-huh. But, but my friend Johan sudden, he was on the boat team at the same time, so he got you know invited, and we were all going there to you know share him on, share him on. Yeah. And actually, a friend of mine tried to get me in because since I won the last you know the, the halfpipe event the weekend before, but it was you know ready for the 16 riders. But uh, I was there you know stay, like, checking out the practice, but I knew I wanted to ride the event, so somebody actually didn't show up or got hurt. So then they actually came up to me and said, Ingmar, yeah, you can, you can join the event. Awesome. Then I also got straight into competing at the Aaron Style.
0: Those v- events, I remember the Aaron Style being a really, really big deal.
1: Yeah, I remember also it was also fun because me and Johan and Terje, it was us, we made it to the super final.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, and somehow I ended up winning, but I, it was a really big break for me, you know, winning the the half-pipe World Cup event the weekend before, and then the Aaron Style. But then the Aaron Style win wasn't that nice, because, you know, I I, I shouldn't have won, because Terry had had a way better trick. But, I don't know, somehow, judges gave me a higher score. And it was, like, in Innsbruck, at the Burton hometown. Right. And Terry, as the Burton rider, he actually did a lot better trick, and he ended up second.
0: And was was he upset? I
1: don't I don't know. He was probably stoked for me, you know. He <laughs> yeah. he was a super good rider, and you know, he stomped the perfect that cab cab seven. Oh wow! And I I couldn't even I couldn't even look and switch to that jump. Right. So it was fun to fun to win, but I, I didn't want to you know talk about that win after because it was like sure, I won, but I feel like I shouldn't have won. But anyway that yeah. that's kind of a, still the big break, because people in you know, all your winner around styles so that was like yeah it was helping me
0: yeah of course the judging in those early events it wasn't always that great, right
1: yeah yeah because I remember remember I wanted to do a uh, backside seven uh, in the nose bone in yeah. the super final I did actually one in the some kind of like in the qualification or some somewhere yeah and i I slipped on the takeoff so I lost my balance, yeah. So I got the Indie grab. I lost the balance. I had to change to mute grab in there because I was, didn't have the balance. And when I landed, I had to do revert, so it went down to 900. Uh,
0: okay.
1: And But I, I didn't put the hands down, so yeah. maybe somehow I just thought that was a cool trick, but in my, in my mind, that was like a, me, a big mistake.
0: <laughs> that's awesome that you won that, though, like you say. That's a big help for a, for a, a snowboard career.
1: Because just guess getting invited to events is not easy so but once you've been there and you won then you for sure you'll get invited back
0: yeah that's really awesome so that's that's a big part of where I mean your careers already taking off but to win those contests back to back you must have been pretty stoked for the rest of that season
1: yeah and I was still doing the World Cup but but I so I went over to the states for some event yeah we had a few weeks be- between the events. So then uh, the Taipei guys hooked me, hooked me up with uh, Whitey to go filming, you know, for, for my kind of like first time to go go filming for like two or three weeks. Awesome. So then I went with him, and then I filmed the substance part.
0: Awesome, that's. A...
1: And that was like a video that that actually video came out in the middle of the winter, so it was just filmed, you know, after New Year's for a few weeks, and then that video part came out.
0: When do you start filming with MacDog?
1: Actually, the same year I was like doing that part uh, with Wiley, and then i went during the i kept on doing the World cup you know went to Japan and to like europe and to Canada and to all these events and uh, I actually did really good in the pipe contest that season i was actually i was uh, I remember like the first time I actually beat Terry in a half pipe <laughs> but he, he won everything single event he went to nice and uh, and nobody i think ever beat him for, for I don't know how many events but it was a lot, a lot yeah. of events in a row but in one event I managed to beat him he, like uh, I didn't he didn't do a perfect run but at least he, he stomped his run and I stomped mine but I was like kind of at the peak of my pipe riding
0: rad oh that must have felt pretty good man
1: mm. and also so after, after last event I was uh, like unofficially, also winning the World Cup that year. Amazing. But but somehow, but somehow, like because I, I checked the ranking list after the last big event, and I was ranked number one. But somehow, when it officially came out, I was ranked number three. What behind who? And you no, know, it and you no, know, it was actually what happened. It was that the, it was one guy that was at the board board member board member of, of the, of the ISF, yeah. the International Snowboard Federation, yeah. he, he won the World Cup somehow. <laughs> what? Yeah, but, also, but they explained, they changed the ranking points from a big ma- Masters event in Japan, oh. which I did really good in that event, and he did really bad, but it's a not Masters, so you get a lot of ranking points if you do good. But somehow, insane. after the season, they changed that. They took away the Masters status and made it to normal World Cup. So that meant my ranking points wasn't that big anymore.
0: How frustrating.
1: Yeah. yeah so after that, the World Cup thing was over. It yeah. was maybe like in April. Then I actually went to film you know, the last springtime with MacDell. And then I, that's when I filmed The, like
0: the Melting. Meltdown Project.
1: Was, or was it, yeah, The Melting. Was it Meltdown
0: oh. Project and then Simple Pleasures? I think so. Yeah, I think it was yeah, a The Meltdown. Yeah the, yeah, the Meltdown Project. The Meltdown Project, you got Holiday in Cambodia as the f- opening song, and you've got... There was this cliff... Yeah, the ca- or, dead
1: dead, dead Canadiens.
0: Yeah, Dead Kennedy's, in that step-down thing that you're hitting. And you're just spinning off it mm. so smooth.
1: After the contest was over, then actually I stayed in the states and I went with him filming for, like, you know, many weeks. You know, we went on all these spring, spring places.
0: Yeah, your your part in that was epic. And then from there on, you were mm. you were a big name in magazines, photos, videos.
1: Yeah, I think also that was like the first season as a sponsored rider I had like not really any big injuries. That's why I could do like the whole the whole World Cup and do the do the filming with YD and Maxwell. so That's, i was just snowboarding the whole, the whole season it's really
0: nice to not be injured hey do you go directly from Taipei a to a lion
1: yeah no it, it was Atlantis oh it was, it was Atlantis, Atlantis. yeah 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 you yeah, know yeah. I, I, every, I think everything happened the season 94 and 95 what, what I told you but, and also the the change from Taipei to starting up at Atlantis snowboards in, in the middle of that season
0: yeah, how does that happen?
1: I think the main reason was that the the guy behind, you know, Pipe A Snowballs and he was also doing the you know, the skateboarding eighth street and B Mike Tanesky. he died in a car accident. Oh man. And the and that was that like before that season and and he was kind of doing type A and together with another guy, Mark Tanabe. and since Mike Tenevsky was no longer there then then it's kind of like the plan B guys kind of they they kicked out the type a guys.
0: Right.
1: The guys, and they they wanted to do it themselves. Right. And I was I was already on the type a team, you know, riding with these type a guys and I was in you know, staying with them and everything and they took care of me. So for me when they were gonna be kicked out, I was I was in the middle. Like should I keep on riding for type a or but what about, you know, these guys. Yes. Yeah. And they were also like they didn't want to quit snowboarding. So they were talking to me about let's you know start the company together, like a new company. Mm-hmm. So then I had a choice to like stay with Taipei or keep on going with the guys that you know were standing behind me. Yeah. Um. So I decided to do that. It wasn't an easy choice, but it it was the right choice. And then we started Atlantis, and also really it was it was going really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Atlantis was had a lot of hype behind it. People were into it, and so you had a pro model on Atlantis. Did you have a pro model on Type A?
1: It was, it was actually coming out, and yeah. at the same time, then I, you know we that shit happened with Type A. So then people got fired, and then I decided, you know, we're a piece a new company. So then my pro model never came out. So they had to take away my name from that board.
0: Yeah, somehow. yeah. And so your first pro model comes out on Atlantis, and that year. It's like yeah. simple pleasures or something from MacDog, and again, you've got mm. just a crazy great part in that.
1: Yeah, but it was actually in the Meltdown project. I'm writing the Atlantis board. Oh wow! Because we got we got samples really fast, and I might have a shot or two with the type a Taipei board that we shot like in the winter. Yeah, had some base filming, but most of the parties with the with my first Atlantis board.
0: That's sick. So you're a part owner in the company at that point?
1: No, I was never like a, a part owner. I was okay. just being part of developing the company. Yeah. They made sure to pay me, pay me good, but I never was involved in the business side.
0: Right. Oh, that's nice. Because being involved in the business side really can can really bum you out as a snowboarder. Take up a lot of your yeah, time.
1: Yeah, and, and I wasn't into anything about business than I was just snowboarding. So I was just happy to ride a good board and. You know, be and also being part of, like you know, the whole process of ha- how it was going. Yeah,
0: yeah. How? Um, who else was on that team? Daniel Frank was on that.
1: Yeah, it was only me in the beginning. But oh, I, I yeah. kind of, I knew, I knew that Daniel was not happy with K two, right? Because you know, we were doing the World Cup as team at event. We so then I was talking to him that uh, we are starting a new company and like he, he wanted to be on the team. And then you know, he came down to meet. The Atlanta family, and he, you know, was stoked, and then he just jumped, jumped on the team, and he got the pro model out. So I think the first time we got the bosch out, we had like my model and Daniel's pro model.
0: Amazing! He was on fire at that point too. The two of you guys just, you, you yeah. made the brand. Obviously, that was when he started doing rodeos, and
1: I... yeah, and he was filming with Mac Dog, and I was filming with Mac Dog, and he, yeah, he did did all these new tricks, you know, with the rodeos and. Are you
0: competing while you're on Atlantis or are you now starting to transition into filming more?
1: I'm doing both. But yeah. I had like some injuries, you know, every single year after that. So did some competitions but it was I never really had time to film any real media park, you know, some some filming but not too much. Oh. And at the same time it became all these you know, stadium events, you know, indoor contests and quarter pipe events and bigger events. So it was it was pretty fun to go to all these places around the world to complete the those and so, it was like new
0: yeah that's amazing what board were you on on the huge backside air
1: atlantis it was like because that was like 96 this yeah. was the season nine it was a season 95 96 it was like the spring of 96 killer so it was atlantis atlantis board
0: that was like the highlight of that era of snowboarding.
1: Yeah, and no, there was never really any quarter pipes before. It was actually... I remember before that event, I saw transferred snowboarding. I saw they had like a quarter pipe session with like Terry and Jamie and Peter Liner some guys and they we were running a quarter pipe in Tau and it was like a big quarter pipe and I just remember seeing that and they were like going like four or five meters over the lip and it was like crazy, I remember, because we yeah. were running half pipes. Yeah. We were doing like the big airs, like three meters. So, but, I, but I never got to ride a quarter pipe like, like that. So I was just looking at the photos. Okay. And then it came to Rick's experience and I actually got to ride a big quarter pipe myself. Because before that, like, we had some quarter pipes sometimes, but it was like, you know, quarter pipes were the same size as a half pipe. Or yeah. smaller. Yeah. like wind lips.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I remember feeling that. Like, oh, if we build bigger stuff... The airs can get way bigger. Uh, that had happened mm. in BMX with Matt Hoffman, and it was happening. Yeah, with
1: quarter pipes.
0: Yeah, and it hadn't happened yet with skateboarding. That would be Danny Way. No,
1: sk- no, skateboarding. You know, it came after.
0: Yeah, yeah. The
1: skateboarding phase. You know, start to like think about building bigger quarter pipes or ramps or.
0: It was definitely Danny Way, right? So, oh yeah, he was on Type A, wasn't he? He had a snowboard on Type A.
1: Yeah, he was on Type A. Yeah, yeah, I met him a few times. I was when I was in San Diego, I was hanging out a lot in the Plan B warehouse, skating the mini ramp, and he was there sometimes skating the work ramp. and Rad. Yeah, but also he was so good at skateboarding. So whatever trick he wanted to do, he could do it on the skateboard. Yeah. So he didn't have to go with the with the bindings and the soft landings. <laughs> he could actually, you know, yeah. escape you things. Know, and maybe, you know, get the same feeling of, you know, doing the errors and stuff. So yeah. for him, it's not the same as maybe other people that finally, maybe if they're a skater, they go to snowboarding and they actually get, can get the feeling of doing tricks they can't do on the skateboard.
0: That really is a big part of snowboarding. So many people that I've talked to were just so excited when you get on a snowboard and you can do all the tricks that you wished you could do on your skateboard and you can do them like the first day. If you're used to skateboarding where you try a trick over and over and over and over and you and then you fall and you get hurt. Snowboarding was just like mm. a dream. So getting back to Atlantis, I think Kevin Young eventually gets on there with you guys,
1: right? Yeah, but at the same time it's kind of Atlantis is dying because yeah. and and he Atlantis kept on going but all of our... us we all left Atlantis because the company became somehow bankrupt. Because it was like a lot of things happened. First, it was Daniel. He decided to sign for Solomon because he was going to go to the Olympics, and Solomon it was like a you know, ski company, so they wanted to have a wanted to have him on the team, so they offered him a lot more money. Yeah. So he left, but we, we still had a good team. But then we had the factory problem. Because we have we had a factory, sort of politics in yeah. Canada, yeah. Who built all all our boards all the time. They they were going to go bankrupt, oh, yeah. and we we were doing really good, so we decided we wanted to buy the whole factory. Right. And we thought we were going to be able to. We went went to court and everything to like get get to be able to buy the fact- factory. But somehow we lost that case, and it was a big case. So we then we didn't have any factory to oh, build the boards. So then a new factory started up in, in San Diego. It was like an old friend of of of, of Mark that I was doing Atlantis with. Yep. So he started, started up a new factory, and he, he was going to save us to build all our boards. But he was starting up, so we had to prepay everything. Oh, God. So we, we paid for everything at Atlantis Board to help the factory. And then it was time to get the boards, but the, the boards never came. Oh. And he left, and the factory went bankrupt.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: the season started, season started, and we couldn't send any boards to anyone. We didn't have anything in the board. Oh, man. So it was really, it would be really tough for us to kind of restart the company. So then we decided to, or they decided to let like, it no longer, and use used to, to keep on going. Yeah. So I think somebody else, you know, got the name Atlantis, and they kept running it for a while, but we all left and then I d- decided to start a line of snowboards at the same time.
0: Yeah, because Atlantis did when it got bought. The guy who bought it, he he was a notorious just brand destroyer. He would sell. Yeah. He would get them built really cheaply, and just take boards that used to have a good name and just like run them into the ground. So you made the right call, and the lion boards came out and everybody was so excited. They were like the really hype board for that year. So how does that happen?
1: Mm. Oh, it was like me not having a... Oh, actually, I was riding Atlantis board, but I wasn't like... I wasn't going to go with the new new Atlantis guys. Yep. But then I uh, had the uh, actually the same guy that was back ba- backing us with Atlantis. It was like a Japanese guy called Mike Miyazawa. He... He has been behind a lot of companies, so he was back backing atlantis uh, he was backing atlantis you know with the you know could pay the prepay the money so we could start that company and he knew that when I was no longer there and he really wanted to you know do business with me and have you know sell my board so he then he decided to start a company together cool, and he was you know paying paying for it
0: yeah. So this is where you and then, become and then, a business, and then guy.
1: then I also became a then I also became a partner. Me, me, Mike, and a guy a guy called Gregor. Gregor was the guy behind G-Spot, My first real sponsor. Cool. So he was, you know, selling the Taipei. He was selling the Atlantis, and he, you know, selling skaters and snowboards. So us us three together start, started Alliance Snowboards. Amazing. It, it, it's a lot thanks to Mike, and he's been. He's uh, he, even been, you know, behind, you know, gnu snowboards and bibs and, you know, when they started, he's been in the business for so long time, like supporting, supporting brands.
0: Not Mike Olson, a
1: different Mike. No, not Mike Misawa, but he was, oh, he, has been supporting, he was supporting them when they started.
0: Oh, that's amazing! What a good. That, so
1: he's been, that you know, he, cool. he has, he has he a skateboarding, snowboarding business in Japan, and he really supports snowboarding and skateboarding. skateboarding.
0: That's dope. All
1: all the way through to to the companies that that are starting up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really awesome.
1: So that's that that's why we can start right away with the Alliance Nobles. Who picked the team?
0: Did you you would have picked the team obviously?
1: Yeah, I wanted to have, have a good team but also people I knew. Yeah. So it was you you know, in the beginning it was only like few guys, but you know, you know, it went really quick and we had like eight guys on
0: the team. Kale Stevens
1: had a board with you guys, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like me, Kale, and uh, John, S- John Summers. Yeah. We had yeah. pro model. And then it was like the eight people, Peter Stern, like Todd Slosher, uh, T- But no, we were like seven, eight, nine people on the team.
0: That's a killer team, too.
1: Bubs, you know, Sean Baptiste, Bubz, he was from the beginning. Oh yeah, it was right. actually me and Amy and Bob's, Because right away from when we started, he was also on, on the team.
0: Yeah, and Bob's was on so, uh, another surf politics built board. Those I, uh, at the A boards, right? Because they were built out. of Yeah, surf I think
1: politics it was, N- well. he was like like Okay, yeah, Nine Yeah, now he was like, he was one of my favorite riders. So like what, once we started the alliance, and you know we got Bob's on the team, then it was like. Yeah, me and him, then it was a really good start. I right. thought so. Then, yeah, then it went really good from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it kicked ass. You were a really influential rider to a lot of people. Once you started a lion, did you start taking more of a team manager kind of role?
1: Really, I wasn't really into being a team manager, so it was like it was like me, Gregor, and Mike. And Gregor, he was the guy that had had to get get shit done you know he had to <laughs> make sure to get the graphics and the team to the right places and so like he was he was like doing that part awesome but at the but but at the same at the same uh, year we started not we started a we uh, we clothing and that later we it's called we f c yeah so yeah. it was like a clothing brand and it went really good, so just after a couple of years like four five six years. That was like going off. So then Gregor went, you know, full time working with a with a cloning company because it it became really big.
0: Yeah, yeah. I forgot about Wii. That was huge. Uh,
1: they're still going now. Yeah, it's still going. Back, but now, you know, everybody left. So now, in the last couple of years, it's not it's not what it what it used to be. It's not what it, it was, was. Like the first ten years, maybe fifteen years, it was that like, good.
0: But it man, was so so. It solid.
1: had a peak. Yeah, yeah. it had the peak like ten years after started. It had a
0: really beautiful aesthetic and it really felt like a nice high-end fashion clothing company. So eventually (laughs) and I can't even imagine how this would happen. So now you're a businessman because you're helping run these businesses. How do you come to
1: own a ski
0: resort? Or do you guys own it or do you just manage it?
1: We are planning to own it soon, hopefully soon, but Yep. Yeah, This is our third season, so it's the end of our third season, and, and you know, we have jumped straight into it and kind of renting it, but now we are, we are running everything, so it's, it's only us doing everything, and it's going, you know, better every year, and we're learning also what we want to do, and we, we get a lot of happy customers, and they come back with more people, you know, every year. Awesome. So now, now we're thinking about how, how we want to do it for the future, because we want to we want to be the owner of the mountain if you, you know if you, if we you think long term yes, but anyway, it's only us there It's so like it's like it's our own ski resort
0: It's incredible the stuff that I've seen, like the just the social media stuff that I see it makes me want to go there really bad
1: <laughs> yeah it's a diff- it's, it's a different resort I can imagine if you have like three old old snowboarders that yep. can have you know free hands to do whatever they want and run a ski resort it becomes a little bit different. Yeah,
0: man. That, it sounds like a dream. So, who are the three guys? It's you,
1: Ingemar... me, Johan,
0: yeah,
1: and uh, Jacob, so it's, like it's uh, also an old co-writer.
0: Yeah. Of course.
1: So us three. So and we, we knew each other for, like, more than 25 years, and we've been <laughs> snowboarding together, you know, since we were kids. And, and now, we, you know, we haven't been... Seen each other for like ten years, that much. So, but then we got together to, you know, take over the project.
0: That's incredible. So who fo- who found the project?
1: So it was actually uh, an other friend of us that we knew, Nickis, like, nobody from Finland. He was he was the operator of the resort. Yeah. Before us, so we were all there, you know, checking it out. You know, we got invited to go to the riding, and we got to know the people, the crew, the you know even the owner of the, the whole land, the yeah. mountain. But this guy ended up not running the resort that well, so he got kicked out. Oh, and this happened in November. So yeah. and then they had no one to run the resort. So he, the owner, you know, got to know us. So he actually asked us first, like, if we wanted to just take over the project. Cool. So we have to, We didn't have. We, we didn't have time to think. We have to, have to do it or not do it. So we have to decided <laughs> to try it out.
0: And yeah. So and Johan had a. Kid last year. Do you do you have a family as well?
1: Mm, no, I'm by myself. But you know, I still have a sister and my dad and my mom. But it's, I don't have my own family.
0: Right, right. I'm just thinking. I'm just imagining you guys as you know, pro snowboarders who settle down and start running a resort. Eventually, buy it. Like it sounds like a movie. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and from like I said, from what I've seen, it looks amazing. And there's a lot of listeners mm. of the show that should make a trip specifically to go. Yeah, they
1: should. And, yeah, and they should come in now because we have we have like three big holidays. We have the New Year's Christmas holidays. We have the you know the winter holiday, and then we have the you know Easter holiday. Yeah. And and between all the, between all the holidays, they're only open during the weekends. So that means we have like five days five days every week. We have, have our own private resort. Oh, my we have can go turn on the list you know go with the snowmobiles go riding you know we keep all the slopes you know not groomed so whenever it snows we can go power surfing in the slopes and it, it's fun
0: that sounds incredible and there's a like there's a full resort like you've got a hotel and which has a bar obviously
1: and it's not that big but it, it has the mountain it's, it's, to be in Sweden it's pretty big it's, it has uh, 15 slopes and yeah. you know like a few li lift, few lifts, tea bars, and it has a big building with you know you know like a shop and a restaurant and a bar and a nightclub and a you know you know like a sound area with a spa and it has like a yeah, the place to stay is actually a hostel, so it's like a hostel with like maybe it's like twenty two rooms we can be like sixty people or even more right. in there and then we have a caravan area where we can have up to six hundred caravans. Exactly. Because this was built like in ninety ninety, so it was like built really for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So we have potential to, you know, have have a lot of people coming over.
0: That's so fun. Well, we got to get a crew, you know, a huge group of us to come over and go shred that. It sounds incredible, dude.
1: Yeah, you should. You can ask anyone who have been visiting us; they all had a really good time. And usually, you know, it's good riding too, but even if the riding is not perfect, it's still a good time.
0: Yeah, Johan was saying that he does mostly power surfing now. Yeah, he he,
1: he he doesn't like bindings. Whenever, you know, he, sometimes he goes to bindings, but then he starts swearing, you know. He doesn't <laughs> like those things. <laughs> <laughs> I understand him, you know, because I've been into power surfing like the last three years, you know, and it's really fun. So, I can, you know, the more you go powder, thing, the less you want to go with
0: the bindings. Do you do no rope, no bindings? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yes, Just, yes, you know, dumb pad and boots.
0: That's so... No bindings. That's so dope. So, are you guys going to run it, like, uh, a little different than a regular ski resort? Are you putting on events and things like that? Or is it just at this point, it's a small resort and
1: just keep... Mm, keeping it's still it in open? the startup. Like, we have... Yeah, like one big event every year. It's it's called the Fawn tree ride. Yes. Yeah. We, we, like, we take everybody there and they have to come to a secret location and they're gonna have to go down, you know, one at a at the time and the Franciscus down wins. But then we have like uh-huh. style points. You can you can you can give away like five seconds in style points and I i do, like, judge, you know, if somebody does something something stylish on the way down. Oh man. And that the, sounds awesome. And, 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 and that, that one has, you know, it's skiing, and there's a division like snowboarding, and there's also power surfing. And then, you know, I have different runs. And then it, it ends up with the Chinese pulling downhill for power surfs. Yeah. You take all the power surfers, and they have like a, you know, fastest run down.
0: Yeah, yeah, all at yeah. the same time. That sounds awesome. When When is that event?
1: It's usually like middle, middle of February, maybe. Like yeah. This, this time it was like 10th of February, but some sometime in the middle of February. And we know we have like live bands playing, and we have good parties, and it's a good, you know, good feeling and good food, and it's like the whole the whole weekend. It's it's, it's good from from arrival to leaving.
0: All right. Well, I know what I want to do the middle of February next year. I got to start saving now and get a crew together. We'll come over
1: and that yeah, will be good times.
0: That would be the time to come and check it out. Maybe come a week early. And stay
1: a week after
0: or something yeah that sounds awesome yeah because
1: the, yeah because that that time is between the you know the winter holidays and the uh, new year's holidays. so it's we have we have all the open during the weekends. So we have all the weeks to have to thread and you know ride with friends and then the, the people are visiting we have you know start the lifts and and go riding together
0: that is a dream come true that's amazing dude I'm so stoked that you three guys are doing that. That's, you know, one of the places where, where the soul of snowboarding is still, like, very, very much alive. Have, did you watch some of the Olympics?
1: Kieran yeah, yeah I, actually, I like to watch, like, all the snowboarding events. Ever since I kind of stopped competing, I still watch all the big events, like, in wherever it is, like, in the States or America or Japan or the Olympics or US Open or ant because cool. I usually check the webcast or live, live feed. So, what
0: do you think of the state of competitive snowboarding right now?
1: Mm, it's been like the last, I would say, the last three, four years, I've been more into watching Halfpipe. Yeah. Before it was like Slopestyle, it was fun to watch, but I've been a little bit tired of watch, watching Slopestyle like the last maybe four or five years. Yeah. You know, ever since like. You know, Hallor and Tortevorgmu and Erettona and all those guys were competing in kind of going, you know, in one direction. Yeah. So it's not as interesting to watch anymore. But the pipe, I've been, you know, stoked to watch the half pipe the last couple of years.
0: It's just insane now what they're doing. It's nuts.
1: Yeah. but it's, Yeah, and the slope tell it, it's like if they build a different course, it's fun to watch. But you never see a different course you know some, maybe a feature that's different but nobody's hitting it but, right but since it's the same same kind of setup it's it, it, whatever the, if you see the first contest of the season you know what you're gonna see every single contest it might be the same in pipe but in pipe and I, I don't know I've, i enjoy more the feeling of the you see the people go big in the transitions
0: i don't watch any really competitive Snowboarding because I just get <laughs> get frustrated and discouraged like I couldn't did, do any of that
1: yeah did they watch the Olympics?
0: I saw highlights I saw a little bit of mm. you know what I mean like it was impossible not to see uh reds run in the slope style
1: mm.
0: which was creative yeah I, no,
1: I, yeah I was watching every you know single you know qualification to finals, yeah, but actually the best the best trick I saw in the slope style was was the red gear full for that transfer. Yeah. In the middle of the run at the Gid feature. That was like easily the best slopes trick that was done. Yeah, right. And in the pipe it was like Ben Ben, ben Ferguson's air to fake most of them was like those two tricks were Yeah. The top best tricks done during the whole Olympics.
0: Yeah, I noticed both of those tricks for sure. The air to fake you was just Yeah, but
1: <sighs> I wish you could see more of those things. But you know, it's it's fun when you see them, but it's not they're rare.
0: Yeah, I think the thing is that people have to, they have to think strategically. Like when I go, when I think back to like half pipe competitions, like when when uh, Jimmy Scott could win, right? If if yep. you ever watch an old Jimmy Scott run, like it was it was really technical but very low. He had figured out the point yeah, system, was, right? And he would work. The yeah, point I was system. I
1: was competing with Jimmy Scott, and he, he always did like three more tricks when the pipe was over. He did three extra tricks. You have to, you know, three hand plants or something.
0: Totally. So, like, you're going, I remember three. seeing that and being like, boo, that sucks. I'd <laughs> rather see Palmer do, like, three big airs than Jimmy yeah. Scott doing. Yeah, I
1: remember, it was like, like, in like in the States, when I started competing, you were not allowed to be upside down in a pipe. Right. So, uh, remember, Jimmy, Jimmy Scott learned to do uh, a matrix with a hand Yeah, plants, you know? yeah. But just with a hand in. Then it was, it was legal if you put the hand in. Like was just a hand touch. Would he put
0: the hand touch in at the end or in the middle? I'm trying to. Think.
1: In, in the beginning. Yeah. In, in the beginning. Like yeah. McTwist, but he was kind of such a low mac twist that the hand was close to the lip. But when it, it was touching the lip, it was it was not the mac It was a, a legal trick.
0: Yeah, that's just nutty, right? And and I hate to shit on Jimmy Scott. He's actually a really nice guy, and he technically was a good pipe rider, but. It, it just seeing... so what i'm saying is that's kind of what's coming out too in snowboard half pipe competition still now like you don't see those beautiful creative tricks because they have to spin they have to if you want to win you want to beat Sean White you're going to have to be spinning and flipping every single hit of the pipe, of the pipe
1: yeah but then sometimes you have like sometimes the judges they understand so they can like put like a guy like Danny Davis in first place, you know that happens sometimes, and he does you know switch it's backside in the run or maybe backside three. Right. And it's it's good to see because, but it's too bad not more people are seeing that he can win with those tricks because he should win. Right. And then it should be more that should push the pipe riding to more people doing it. You see few people doing like a backside three sometimes in a run, and they can get good scores, but it's. It's like one trick, and it's one out of many riders that do it.
0: Yeah, snowboarding's just gotten to where there's so much money in it; you have to put it on the line. I don't know. The soul of snowboarding was probably biggest during your era, like style pushed the progression every year.
1: Yeah, and also like also all the sponsors back then when it was like between, let's say, '95 and '99, it was like big events, and they were all putting up like 50 grand at first place every single event you know it's a big uh, it's a quarter pipe it's a you know some like event in the city yeah. and it was all about the show so yeah. it, it was like the riders came there and did whatever they wanted to do and it became more a show than to be in like a contest yeah and the sponsors were happy they just wanted to have snowboarders doing a snowboard the show and doing like tricks and the crowd are stoked
0: yeah totally
1: but then that kind of died out when it became you know after olympics it became too much as, as a sport yeah. And then the big sponsors didn't want they were not sticking around. It was a car sponsor standing in line, sponsoring every single event, you know, with big prize money. Yeah. And I think they liked snowboarding because it was like it was. And then when it became too serious as a sport, you know, there's there were no more money anymore. Yeah, it's true. So it's kinda of like the mistake snowboarding made, that wanted to become more, you know, as Olympic sport. Then they lost the sponsors.
0: Yeah. FIS taking over for the ISF was a big, you know, mm-hmm. th- that was pretty much the end of, of a lot of that. More of the soul of snowboarding being in those events.
1: Yeah, it was c- com- compared to other sports and not being
0: its own Yeah. sport. Yeah, exactly. You and I were lucky enough to be there w- before it was
1: that. Yeah, so it's, it's still going on, like in the background uh, here and there. Like wherever you travel, you're going to see, you know, the real snowboarders and, like, the people that really lives right reasons or you know for that but it's not it's not shown as for the public right. and, and like it was in the 90s it was like shown all the way from the top to the bottom like snowboarding, snowboarding. and then now it's it's still there it will always be there but it was it, it's not it's not it's, it's more like it's in the background
0: they can't tell you how rad it is to talk to you and and how thankful i am that you did it
1: no oh, thank you and good luck with Everything you're doing. Ah, oh,
0: thanks, man. All right, guys. Evan Redd, shout shoutouts this week to Ingemar Bachman. Thanks for doing the show, Ingemar. After we recorded, he sent me a Facebook message. I'm just going to read it out here. One thing I forgot that I feel bad about when talking about the best tricks done at the Olympics. I forgot the big air. Torger Berggren did the sickest switch backside five method. That, together with Ben's air to fakie and Red's frontside air transfer, are the three best tricks of the Olympics. Can you mention that? Thanks. What a dude. I want to take time to thank Murray Fraser, who owns the Boardroom Snowboard Shop. Go to boardroomshop.com and save 5% off sale items with the offer code FNRAD5 at checkout, or use FNRAD10 to save 10% off anything that's not on sale. So thanks to everyone at the Boardroom Snowboard Shop for supporting the third season of the Rad Snowboarding Podcast. What more can I say about Rob Dow and Pepe Hansen at Wired Snowboards? Rob has been a trusted and invaluable advisor about all things F&R and, and he's been busy building some of the most incredibly fun riding boards you can buy. I love my Wired snowboards. So you guys should go to wiredsnowboards.com. Use the offer code F and RAD because that saves you 10% off on an amazing snowboard. Just do it. I got a box of stuff yesterday from Shane at Tribute Board Shop in Nelson. He also sent me some music that I'm going to be using for Season 4, and uh, we're going to be working together for sure. So go to the tributeboardshop.ca. Thanks to Brian Shaw at Dekine for hooking me up with some sweet Dekine outerwear. Also thanks Mike Costigan for an amazing Dekine backpack that I've used like a thousand times already this year. Thanks to my Rosha Daily. For the six Spy goggles and congratulations on your continued success at Spy Optics, dude. Thanks to Steve Hare at Burton Canada. Thanks to Mike Strato at Vans. You know what? Do yourself a favor. Get Vans High Standard Boots. Buy them at the Borgroom Snowboard Shop. If you're like me and you like to ride a little bit of everything, those boots rock. Go to intuitionliners.com and buy some custom heat-moldable boot liners. They're worth every penny. And Crystal is a gem, the girl who runs Intuition. Thanks to Craig Hussey at Saks Underwear. And special thanks to Evan Kam and his band Lazy Ghost at his music label heat rock studios for the song under the credits I've, I've been using that for three years and thanks dude i'm thanking my wife and my two beautiful children i love you so much you guys the big fuck yeah to sean stewart kearns who opened my eyes to how i want to do my podcast and how i want to live my life <laughs> make sure to come back next december for another season of the and rad snowboarding podcast Brought to you by Eric Charlson and his fictional production company, Bike Room Productions.